The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show. It's grand final week, and the excitement here is palpable. Kagi, I'm joined by you, mate. How are you doing? Mate, I am fantastic. I'm loving this first take intro of yours. It is really good stuff. It's perfect, as always, mate. And Harry, how are you going? Fantastic. I just can't believe we nail this first try every time. <laughs> yeah, it's just smooth when Kagi doesn't host. That's that's the main thing that the, the listeners have been talking about. But I'm your host, Nelson. Uh, on the weekend, I was lucky enough to, to get amongst something called the Rugby Royal Rumble. Did you boys listen? Uh, I did, actually. I really enjoyed it. So, I'm not yeah. halfway through, but um, yeah, no, it's really good stuff. It's, uh, I'm sure, was it largely uh, organised by you, Nels? <laughs> it was nothing to do with me organising. <laughs> you could tell how it was organised well. Um, but yeah, look, it, it featured a lot of the boys from, you know, the up-and-coming podcasts. If you look to our screen now, you actually be seeing them. No, Harry, you've taken it down. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll put it up now. You actually will be able to see the boys. This is an actual photo from uh, the, the live video that we took, but... <laughs> It features uh, Ando. He he hosted it from the Pick and Drive podcast. It had Mitch Evans from Rugby Fixation. I think he had a hand in in organising it with Matt from Gold Digger. They're, those two are the guys that planned it all out. But if you haven't listened, do yourself a favour, and it's our, our most recent pod. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that everyone helped organise except you. No, look, I mean, Ando, <laughs> Ando didn't help organise it, but he ran it perfectly. So, right. yeah, that's probably fair. No, it was <laughs> it was really good. And uh, and I think it was a really good wrap-up to Super Rugby AU and uh, and a good look forward. So I, I think definitely worth going back and listening, despite the fact that it's a, a week old now. The, they've already talked – it was actually done on Sunday. But they, they've already talked about potentially doing this again in a couple of weeks. And they've said, please, can we have Harry on but no Kagi? Right. Yeah. They haven't yeah. talked about a third app. Fantastic, mate. That's good. I'm sure you're taking your hosting cues from um, from Ando. But uh, no, look, I'm only about halfway through. It did start off as a bit of a mutual admiration society. Uh, but no, look, it, it was good to have some positive chat about rugby, I think. And that's really the message you guys got across. There's, is this big blo- blowing up the change of the guards, new new coverage and lots of podcasts coming up. And it's really good getting together, uh, getting some ideas out there. Yeah, I, th- I think. Even if they're Nelson's ideas. Like, you collectively all patted each other on the back to say that you're the reason that Stan Sports has been such a success as well. Is that right? Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Something along those lines, definitely. But look, we're, we're going into the, the main talking points of the qualifying final. Harry, what did you see as these main qualifying final points? Yeah, so probably the first one was the Force versus Brumbies game. You had that red card, which I know I thought was the end of the game. And I, I think the big talking point from that was just how well the Force were able to actually stay in it and push that game to late late in the match to uh, before the Brumbies could finally clinch the game. But I thought they played exceptionally well and I, I think did a really good uh, justice, did, did a great justice to the fact that we have that second versus third playoff, which, to be honest with you, I was pretty hesitant about early. Look, I, I, I agree. They, they did a good justice. Um, but, no, I think the red card, that's, that's right. Look, I thought it was really interesting because previously we've seen red cards you know, I remember in um, probably the last World Cup, the 2015 World Cup, saying, oh, no, it was the last World Cup, Argentina getting a red card against England. And uh, it was before halftime, you just went, game over. I'm not even watching the rest of this. Yeah. Um, but the, the new rules, I think this is great, showing that, first of all, teams have trained a lot more with 14 players. 
but um, also that it doesn't necessarily kill the game. I think it's similar to in the past when uh, teams versus the Waratahs and got a red card. You said this game's still open for anyone to win because the Tars, you know, they don't, don't take advantage of it. But no, look. Well, I mean, the Waratahs have played like they've had two red cards. The whole season. I mean, they've <laughs> yeah. played like they've had 12 men on the field. Time yeah, so. yeah, definitely something along those lines. But look, talking about that, the qualifying final in, in Australia, I think the interesting thing out of this, it's now the second year we've had it and the second year Super Rugby Aotearoa hasn't had it. And for us, we, we've been playing to that last round, fighting to get to this third, um, second, third playoff, whereas we've had dead rubbers in New Zealand where, I mean, the Chiefs this week basically rested most of their players and it, it was a B or a C team for them, you know. And I, I I get that there's positives of being able to play some of these young players, giving them a chance. But for me, if they were fighting for something, I think it would make more sense. Can I ask, I think you guys will differ to, to my opinion on this, but uh, the fact that the Chiefs and Blues end, both ended up at the end of the season on 20 competition points, oh, yeah. did the Chiefs automatically go through because they had five wins and the Blues only had four wins. So the Blues accumulate a lot more um, bonus points. Um, and they had a better four and against. So but they had a much better four and against. Four against though. The, 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 Chiefs four, the Chiefs had like minus 50. The Blues had plus like 30 or 40 or something. So I don't know. For, for mine, I think it shouldn't matter about who has more wins. Because I think you, you can lose one, you can win one less game, but if you're getting all these bonus points, I think it should be points on the table and then for and against, and then it should be how many games won afterwards. Yeah. What do you guys think? I'm actually on a similar point with you. I, I think I'd be going um, for and against before I was going for who got the most wins. Yeah, uh, I mean, blue- like it, it's great to say that, guys. But the reason that they're both on twenty mm. points is because the Chiefs decided to rest their entire team. Like they would, they would have easily been the favourites for that game. Oh, if not no, but that. see, no, exactly. Well, I would have even preferred that. I would have preferred. How, how much better would that have been if that was a deciding game? Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It before. wouldn't have been a dead rubber. It would have had more meaning. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't mind. To be honest, I don't mind it either way. Uh, I think the Chiefs played it ex- exactly as they should have. Let's not yeah. get. Oh, I just meant that I would prefer the the, the yeah. way the points were. But I was just yeah, going to say before we move on, else the um. The blue social media, I loved it. They started going with the stop the steal uh, tweet, tweet about the yeah, they, That was great. Either. They also said putting the L back in Hamilton, uh, <laughs> which I thought was really quite good. But uh, Harry, what else did you pick up from this weekend? Uh, look, the other one was obviously just, as I've already alluded to, first of all, the Chiefs' massively young team. Yeah. So many debutants there, and I think Kargi's got a few players that he's going to ch- touch <laughs> on soon, but we won't spoil, we won't spoil that one for him. Then lastly, Liam Messam from that game, 180 games and he's come back. That was good. Pretty the old and new. <laughs> he's, he's about the only old man in Super Rugby Aotearoa that's been signed that got some game time. So how good it took him about yeah. five days or something from signing a contract to get in the field. Well, I was saying some of those young players, they probably grew up watching Liam Messam play. They had, <laughs> they had posters of him on their wall. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. And then lastly, the Hurricanes versus Highlanders game. So Hurricanes actually getting their shit together and just taking the Highlanders to school. I thought it was the first time that we saw the combination of Campbell and Love work well together at 9 and 10 for the Hurricanes. And it was it was really telling the disruption that the Highlanders have had to their back one. I think was probably the big talking point for there. But I've got to say, Nehem Milner-Scudder, how good to see him back on the field and getting the Scudder step out. We all love him. We all love him. He's such a great player. And Ruben Love, mate, he's looking he's looking very good. So he's, definitely a prospect to watch. Yeah, mate, I, I, I had him for that one week and he did nothing for me. And <laughs> it's been good. He, he's still on my side. So it's been good to see him perform last week. It was a positive. But look, um, as you said, Harry, talking about exciting players, yes. uh, who was I excited about? A pair of youngsters, a pair of brothers 
somewhat like yourselves, um, Zahn and Balin Sullivan, uh, both play, uh, both starting in the game, the Blues and the Chiefs. It was Zahn Sullivan's debut. I've talked, I've talked him up uh, to great lengths all year this year, just saying, put him on. We've all said, put Para Franchise in at 10, put Zahn Sullivan at fullback. Maybe that was only me saying put him at fullback, but uh, no, very exciting 20-year-old. He's basically Will Jordan 2.0. Um, which is a huge call. I'm prepared to say it. Mate, I was calling Will Jordan about three years ago saying, based on his ITM Cup form, he's going to be unbelievable. And I thought Zan Zalavan was great. Look, he, he didn't um, have any of those massive Will Jordan attacking runs, but, God, he's got a big boot on him, and um, he played with such composure. I thought, he's, for me, he's the best fullback of the Blues. What did you guys think? Yeah, look, oh, I mean, he's, he's clearly a talent, <laughs> but um, it, uh, we, no. we know... Okay. <laughs> Three no, franchise is clearly their best. No, no, he's, he's a ten franchise. He's clearly a talent, but he's he's young and he's very raw. There's yeah, I mean, so you completely picking, disagree with Kagi as well. No, no. If, if you if you're picking between him and Perra franchise, I mean, there's no question. Well, Kagi we, just we, said he was their best fullback. No, but in the we blues. yeah, because Perra franchise is their best fly half. He, he probably is, but he's also <laughs> the best fullback. True. But also, sorry, I didn't. I touched on Balen Sullivan. He started on the wing for the Chiefs. Um, he's played a few games before. He's 22, the older brother. Um, just also an exciting player, I think. Yeah, he, he plays centre or wing. I think he's more of a winger. Look, I'm certainly uh, more excited about Zahn Sullivan, but both yeah, of those brothers, fantastic players. They're going to be really good in the years to come. Yeah, Zahn, Zahn's that sort of 10-15 that's very tall, very big body as well. But uh, it'll be exciting to see him. But he he is young and he's raw, raw so it's going to take some time. But... Look, uh, was there but, anything else that caught, I, you, caught your interest? I was, sorry. I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but it, Len Ikitao. Uh, I was going to throw this softball to Harry to, in terms of Harry was try, struggling to think of moments from the weekend. But um, Len Ikitao made that run. Uh, oh. How good was that? He literally, you know, stepped one or two people uh, and then just made about seven or eight tackle bus over 40 metres just through the whole team. Yeah. Um, he's just getting better now. I love oh, it. I- I was thinking that he'd, he'd been a little bit quieter in the last couple of weeks and he changed my mind in the span of about three seconds. He did what, you know, some centres take 80 minutes to do. So, oh, mate, Some centres dream a lifetime of having that kind of run. Mate. Yeah, it was awesome. Look, for me, uh, there was, there's someone who just really stood out for me and he does it week in, week out. I've been so excited to see him this year. If you flick across to our, our video, you'll see him now. It's the superstar, the next blind side. It's Rob Valentini. How good was he? Uh, he he made 13 runs for 68 metres, made seven tackle busts. He had a try assist, five tackles. This guy has gone from strength to strength. He's 22, and apparently at training, he is just absolutely dominating running over guys putting big hits on he is he is switched on and he's taking every opportunity he can to get better and i love to see it yeah we yeah. talked about him a lot all, all season and how good he has been and i'm one i'm one that was hard to convince in the past seasons but yeah i'm a convert this year he's been exceptional i think it's because we've been expecting this year from him every year the last four weeks since he's been 18 uh, but um, no, he really has delivered this year. Another massive game, and uh, he's certainly he's got to be in the front runners for the Wallabies six jersey, you'd think. But um, oh, just to good. just just to add some insult to injury, though, for Harry, uh, he's he's that good that he's the type of player that you would normally find in my fantasy team. And Harry and I were talking up a trade uh, in our last fantasy round. It wasn't this week, but um, had Harry had traded me Rob Valentini. Uh, we both just got caught up at work, actually. It's not his fault. It's both our faults. But um, he would have won his last fantasy round. So, um, 
And basically would have locked me in for the finals as well. There would have been no pressure. So, so how do you feel? Like, would you prefer the win, Harry, or would you, are you happy that you held on to Rob Valentini? No, I want the win. Uh, aren't, you boys, <laughs> aren't you boys locked in for the finals? I thought we all were. Is that just me? I think it's just you, champ. <laughs> yeah, I think it could so. be. Uh, hold, Harry, just wait. That's a step too far, mate. You just called him champ. Let's calm down. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's the one time that that doesn't actually... Doesn't that was a bit of a slip-up, you know. Look, um... Harry, you also had another point from the weekend. Yeah, my big one was uh, the first ever brother and sister family playing Super Rugby. So you obviously have Marino Michele Tu'u. Now his sister, Liana Michele Tu'u, is a loose forward playing for the Blues. So she played in the first ever Super Rugby women's match. So I thought that was a pretty cool cool thing super, to have happened. Super Rugby women's match in New Zealand. We've been doing it for three years. So. Uh, oh, I was going to say we had to yeah, have to take that chip. Hey, that New, New Zealand did claim it. The commentators did say it was the first Super Rugby W or whatever match ever, and it's like no, it's you're three yeah, years behind. Like, mm, calm down, then. Yeah. But then, so uh, do we get a Trans Tasman of that as well, please? No, oh, absolutely. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't even know double headers. They're not exactly. It's not. It's not a case of curtain raises, mate, but just double headers. How, how much better is it going oh, oh, yeah. if, you, if you go down to a game there's two games on, how much better is that? It would be sick. I'd and love then, to watch the girls and then the guys play. How good? Yeah, before the girls have an under-20s team, I'll go watch all three. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. We need to triple <laughs> the amount of rugby that we're watching <laughs> because our wives love it so much. To yeah. be honest, for, for the Waratahs, we'll get the Waratahs women's team on to play for, instead of the men. You know what I mean? Fine, they'll probably do a better job. Potentially. <laughs> They're, they're, they're pretty well, good. This is the positivity you can expect from uh, this podcast. All right, let's let's kick on, shall we? Yeah, let's let's jump across into the main course. Look, we won't we won't start, uh, you know, with the the warm up. We'll jump straight into the the big one. You know, the one we're we're more interested about, the one that everyone's talking about, Super Rugby AU. That's the big one, yeah. Right. Curtin raises Super Rugby out a while. Well, I think so. They've been going through a long final series compared to the one off <laughs> game. That uh, New Zealand, have put yeah, in. exactly. A lot more meaning to it, Harry. Who, who's the casualties here? Who's who's the people that are missing? There's a few. You got Falafinger to the bench first of all because he injured his shoulder. I think that he's surely been patched up because he was in a sling, wasn't he, after the game last week? Yep. You got Pete Samu who's out of the game with a knee injury, which has caused a reshuffle <clears throat> in the back line for the Brumbies and one that Nelson playing. Or... Sorry. The back row, perhaps. I know Pete Simon spends a lot of time in the back line. Yeah, the yeah back that's right. So on the wing, it's a, it's a reshuffle of the wing <laughs> for the back row, for the Brumbies. But look, Nelson's been calling this one forever. It means not. Well, I'll let you do the the uh, summary, Nelson. Oh, mate, we, we were talking about. I'll, I'll get in depth. I'll okay. get in depth in a little bit. We'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah. James right. Slipper out with a knee injury. Um, he could be out for a few weeks. I think he's aggravated his MCL. So. Yeah, Nelson says, you know, McKellar has said weeks, not months. I think that shows that he's probably a grade one to two, yep. two to four weeks, something like that. Um, and then Hunter Paisami, I think I think most people are aware of by now, one of those illegal shots has broken his cheek. Yeah, so uh, Hunter Paisami became the hunted Paisami. And, yeah, so he's out, he was out we for months. We can't say that every week something happens to him. <laughs> you can. And milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, yeah, the last one for me, which is really interesting, is Vunavalu in the Reds. Um, I think obviously he's there's something that's holding him out, whether it's his hamstring or whether it's his court date on the 10th of May. There is a reason that he's not playing. He was originally out with a hammy, but I thought he was going to be back well before now. So my I, suspicion is he's got think, a lot of stuff going on off field that he's got to focus on. I think Dave Rennie's just said, look, um, I don't want to waste your time on Super Rugby. Um, just need to save you straight for the Wallabies. Um, so just, you know. 
Oh, we, we were all suspicious. It was his off-field things that were keeping him out of the game. But He's got a court case on the 10th. Yeah, but, I mean, one, one thing to – like I, I read today, and whether it was, you know, thrown out just to, you know, make people not think about the, the off-field stuff, but they were saying he's out with his hammy still. Right, okay. So I, whether we believe it, I don't know, but, you, I mean – Either way, he's the best and we love him, so get back on the field time. Um, so, Kagi, um, do you want to go through? So, these guys, have the, the Reds and Brumbies have played twice this year. Can you give us a bit of a sum up from the last two two rounds? I can. I, the notes are to do a quick summation. I've never done anything quickly in my life. But, um, look, previous two fixtures, 2021, round four, the Reds won 40-38 to 38 in one of the greatest Aussie derbies we've seen in, I don't know, years, of the decade, for sure. Uh, it was and it was uh, yeah, it was almost a point per minute, forty to thirty-eight, uh, and the Reds just snatched the uh, snatched the victory in the last couple of minutes with that awesome um, Paisami grubber through and Pattaya try on the posts, and then the conversion to take the lead in the seventy-eighth minute um, of the game, which was just awesome. So. Yeah, it was a really good game. The Reds kind of started slow. We're chasing the Brumbies, 15 points in the first 14 minutes. Um, and the Reds kind of just like, you'd say they won the second 20 of each half, um, if you will. But um, yeah, that was just an awesome game. Uh, and then round eight, the Reds again coming away with a clutch win, uh, 24 to 22 in this one. Um, pretty much a very similar story. They only took the lead for the first time in the 77th minute. Um I think Nelson has just written that in these pictures, the Reds have led for a total of four minutes of the 160 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, similarly, it was like another Pattaya try about 65 minutes in that was kind of heading them in the direction of uh, of getting back that lead. And the same thing again. Brumby started really hard and fast with two tries in the first 14 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, it, the Reds' first try wasn't until the 49th minute. Yeah. So at, at halftime, it was 15-6 to the Brumbies. really... Um, the Reds just slow to get into their work or slow to figure out how to break down the Brumbies, I guess. Um, the Brumbies just starting really clinically um, and the Reds just, I don't know if that was the case of the Reds wearing them out because they were really physical encounters uh, or if it was a, question, a case of the Reds figuring them out. What did you guys think? I think that this whole they've only led for four minutes is like Mikella's motto for the last three weeks to try and build his team up. Because no one gives a damn if it's that they lead for one second or eighty minutes. It's the matter. The team that the time that matters is the end of the game. The Reds yeah. played it very well both times <clears throat> and came over the top of them. So Look, you know the Brumbies. This this four minutes thing. Let's be honest. It's just a media beat up, and it's just McKellar <laughs> trying to get in his own team's head. But they lost two out of two games. Yeah, look, I, I think that's fair. The The thing is when you have that lead, you need to be able to hold on to that lead and yeah. play smart enough. And I think it was a matter of the Reds, you know, exploiting some of those weaknesses and, and being able to finish off the game stronger. It's a, it's a failing of game management for the Brumbies is Definitely. what it is. And I think it's a failing, and, and this is not an insult on any individual player, but it, it's a failing of those playmakers' ability to control that game. You know, Jock... James O'Connor has been the class, you know, controller of game management, you know, between him and the Lolisio and and Banks and the, and the other kickers in that that side for the, for the Brumbies. Yeah, that has really been the difference for the Reds this year, hasn't it? Obviously, we know they've been a young team building over the last few years, but last year they clearly showed they had all the talent um, and you know the ability to play, and this year they've showed that they have the composure and the leadership as well. Um, yeah. 
Speaking on all that talent, we, we were tossing up how this is going to look with Paisami, you know, missing this week. And I put up a, a poll on Twitter. Uh, we had a decent amount of votes, surprisingly. People actually pay attention to us. But I, I put up a few different options. And, I mean, the, the winning option was with 61% of the votes, Dalgunu to play 11, Pattaya to play 13, Vunavalu 14, and Jock Campbell at 15. Second was 24% with Dalgunu 11, Fluke 13, Pattaya 14, and Campbell at 15. But none of these options are what got picked. Brad Thorne didn't vote, I think. He, Brad yeah. Thorne didn't pay attention to our vote. He doesn't know what the people want. We've got Jock at, uh, we've got Jock Campbell at 11, Fluke at 13, Pattaya 14, and Hegarty at 15. So, I mean, I, I I don't know what this says to you guys about this game, but to me it says that you first, no idea. Yeah, first, no, <laughs> first, first of all, that's fair. First of all, that they're trying to play a, a smart brand of footy. They've got more kickers on the paddock. You know, that game management we were talking about early, the Brumbies have been getting their lead early. And instead the, the Reds are trying to counter that, I think, with, you know, a smarter game management team early and bringing on their, their strengths of the likes of Dalgunu late in the game. Is that fair? Do you, do you agree? I mean, when we were talking pre-pod, that I, I was definitely thinking along the same line. I think they understand that the championship minutes, you need to have some good leaders on the field, and that seems to be the way they've done it. And I agree, they've got the double-kicking option uh, with with their <clears throat> 10 and 15 combination to start. So I, I definitely think that that must be the way they've selected. Yep. Yeah, well, I think part of it's also <clears throat> rewarding Bryce Hegarty for some good form. Um, I mean... I'm probably jumping the gun here, but I was saying, like, for, for me, Jock Campbell's definitely their best fullback. Uh, and I don't think he's anywhere near as good as uh, on the wing as he is at fullback. Don't be wrong, he's still a great player, but he just he needs all that time and space um, to be able to, you know, assess his... He makes very good options, I think, from fullback. I think he's, yeah, I think he's a great player, but he's, he's not an out-and-out winger, you know? You, you look to the great counter-attacker is what he is. That's yeah. his biggest strength in his running game, where he yeah. can kind of look for space and then hit, use his pace to get himself to a hole, you don't really get the opportunity to think and look ahead that much on the wing. I think a lot of it is just how do you beat a man one-on-one, which he can do, but not to the same level of effectiveness. Yeah. That, uh, I, I'm sorry, you go, Nils. Uh, that outside back combo for, for the Reds and the Brumbies is a bit of a clash of styles. You've got genuine finishers on the wing for the Brumbies, and that's that's how they're playing, whereas the Reds have done that flip side. And, and it's not all about that finish early. It's about, you know, a, a different combination, different style of footy. Yeah. What, what do you guys think of – I think one of the key matchups is going to be Fluke and Ikitao. Just talk to Ikitao up to the high heavens. Um, you know, it's interesting. I would have, I still would have put Pattaya in at 13. I know we had a difference of opinions on Pattaya um, – hasn't perhaps been playing well enough to be 13 and you guys like to see him on the wing as he keeps developing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the thing with Padaya is he's seemed to, when when he's pushed into that 13 Jersey, he seemed to think about what he had to do to get other players in space, what he had to do for for the players around him rather than just back himself. And, Mm. And he appeared that he was overthinking. He was pushing things. Whereas when we've shifted him back to outside, you know, he only has to think about his own game, and I, I think it's been awesome for him, especially getting him wide, those those kicks across field. I, I think he is genuinely much more of a threat at the moment and mm. doesn't seem, you know, a, as stressed. He's a lot more composed on the wing. And, and an interesting thing about Josh Fluke, I mean, this is only his second start at Super Rugby. Yeah. The last start was that last-minute call-up against the Brumbies in, in their last clash. But he really showed he's, he's a class player. 
He's very young, but he is very, very talented. Coming into this one, he's not going to catch the Brumbies by surprise. They they now know he's coming. You know, they they know he's actually a genuine threat. But the last time these teams played against each other, he made 75 run meters, two line breaks, five tackle busts, and he scored himself a, a pretty class try in that back end of that that game to, you know, put the Reds in the chance to, to win it. So, I mean, he's, he's a genuine player as well. I think he's a real threat. I think your stats don't uh, don't support what I'm about to say, but I was just going to say I'm worried about getting the ball outside, so getting the ball to Bataya because they do have those two smaller centres. Um, whereas I think if you've got Bataya in this, I would like Bataya to play like he's on the wing at outside centre. <laughs> exactly what you said. We Not to think about anyone else or supporting it. Just when you, when you pass in the ball, just attack at all all costs, and um, and that will create space uh, and for room for everyone else. I definitely think it's it's a risky move, but I, I love the fact of going, Fluke, you've done it for us before. We'll we'll give you a crack and you can do it again. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's that <clears> risky <throat> to be honest with you. I I think that he's the more controlled player of the options. You, I think from one game you've picked that? Yeah, I mean the way he plays is is smart and controlled and he makes good decisions. That that is definitely the kind of player you can see it from a mile away. That's how he plays his footy. Yes, yes, he has the ability to break a tackle and create something, but not to the same level as Pataya at this stage of his career. I think he'll grow into that. I think Ikatao as well, the teams have started to work out a little bit more. So he's probably not having the same damaging ability as consistently as what he was in the first half of Super Rugby AU. And Fluke's a good defender, you know, by all accounts as well. So I think it's a good decision, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not against it, but I still find it a, a risk when you don't have that body of work that Morgan Turner likes to talk about. But, <laughs> Kagi, can you can you talk to me about your, your thoughts about Dalguna on the bench? I can, mate. Um, did he did Dalguna steal Brad Thorne's lunch or something? You know what I mean? Like, did he, uh, you know, walk past him and just uh, break some wind, let loose? I don't know. He's done something to piss him off. because um, There was some he, talk of, um, you know, he had things he's been given to work on to improve his game. Yeah. Mate, I'll tell you what they need to work on. Putting him on the field starting and just hand him the ball, mate. You just he's like one of those wind up toys, mate. If you just spin it, spin it enough time behind his back and let him go. He, he makes he, he makes rugby look like the rugby 08 video game, mate. He just weaves his way through everyone. As Dave Rennie has said, he could beat you in a phone box. Um how is he not starting, mate? He is after Vunavalu, their most potent attacking weapon. Sorry, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I get injecting him late in the game, but just for me, that's my ball. For me, he starts. He starts on all the Let's move on because it is madness, man. I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, you can have him for the last 10 when people are tired, but he doesn't need them to be tired. Just <laughs> yeah. eight minutes. I I agree. Uh, <laughs> I think this is all you know. Interesting chat, but the big thing from this is we've got. Liam Wright shifting back to the bench. James O'Connor coming in at captain. Harry, what do you think of that? I think, like I said earlier, uh, my only thought is that they've realised how important the championship minutes are going to be. They probably think Liam Wright isn't conditioned well enough to play 80 minutes at a <clears> high-level <throat> intensity game or may not be. And, you know, when the when Angus Scott Young's been as good as he has, yeah. it makes sense to play him for 30 minutes and have him in his prime helping lead the team when it's most important. Look, I, I see it a little differently. I, I mean, you, you've had... Angus Scott Young doing it all season at six. And I think he's been a real pivotal part of that back row and how that back row works. He gets through a lot of work and I think he's a real important factor. And no, I don't think that, you know, that's not a negative to Liam Wright, but because he's been away from it so long, I, I mean, you've, for me, you've got to back Angus Scott Young. 
you know, in, in the form he's in and everything else he's in. And I, I'd probably start Liam Wright first game of Trans-Tasman. But for me, uh, in, you know, in recent, you know, history in this year, Angus Scott Young's done it week in, week out. And for me, that's enough for him to get that start. Kagi, what do you think? Yeah, look, for mine, um, I understand what he's done. And I like that Brad Thorne backs his players and rewards performance. And Angus Scott Young has been playing the house down all year. He's just been doing all the dirty work. Uh, for mine, I'd still start Liam Wright, but like they did last game, I would actually start Angus Scott Young in a lock again. No, he's um, not so I think they clearly haven't done that they, because it was they a mess. really want to challenge the line out and they need yeah, a it, was, lock. It, it was a mess last week. I don't think... Wait, was... The more back rowers, the better. I thought you'd be on board with this now. Man, I agree. Put them at fly half. Put them in the centres. <laughs> don't put them at lock unless they're tall. Yeah, no, true. Um, but I, I would, regardless, then I would start Liam Wright just because, um, look, I mean, he's incredible. If you're picking your first three back rowers on a team, you're picking Fraser McBride, Liam Wright and Harry Wilson. Um, but, uh, yeah, I understand what they've done for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could easily go go either way. I, but, let's, let's, I, I just have a question for you, Nelson. Let's imagine that you have, like, rather than Liam Wright, you've got Jerry Collins in his prime on the bench coming back from injury. Do you still put him on the bench? Or that player of that caliber, do you no. go, nah, Angus Scott Young has been playing well? I don't think Jerry, Jerry Collins knows what the bench is, mate. To be, to uh, be he's fair. He's seen it. Uh, he's heard of it. But, he's uh, pissed on it. To be fair, <laughs> I think Liam Wright and Jeremy Collins, uh, Jerome uh, Kano, whoever it is, are, are quite different. So if it was someone no, at that level, I'd bring them in. Oh, this is their captain, mate. Liam uh, Wright's their, their inspirational captain. Wallaby's number six. No, mate, uh, to be fair, I think James O'Connor has been the inspirational captain for this year. And I think he's earned it. And I said last week, even with Liam Wright coming back in, I would have so continued to give it to had a had time on the He's bench not for a season. <laughs> and a new captain came in. Kieran Reid came in. You'd go, nah, Richie, sit in the bench. Kieran's been our inspirational well, captain. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe. I mean, guys, look, we, we know you guys don't pay much respect to uh, all bar captains, okay, Sam Kane. No, no, so I do. So, all bar one. We do. <laughs> um, but no, look, I think it's very, it seems very easy for people to forget just how good Liam Wright was last year. Amazing. Um, he is so good. But yeah. I, as I said, I would start him game one trans Tasman. This yeah. game I wouldn't because I, I think you've got to reward the guys that have been doing it all year and not just kick them out when the no. finals roll around. Well, Mate, look, uh, we, we, we all agree disagree. I think yeah. rounding out this point, I think, look, they definitely have put a lock in there, Ryan Smith, because, yeah, we know the Brumbies' strong suit is the rolling ball and the lineouts, and you just need to, have to be able to compete both in the air and on the ground for that. So, yeah. Interestingly, the, the lineout last week, the – the Brumbies back themselves against the force for the driving more line out on a few occasions. And that force defense was, was awesome when it came to shutting that down. But interestingly, the Brumbies, you know, very early on tried some trick plays and against these bigger bodies now in, in the reds, I'm expecting to see, first of all, the Brumbies to take points when they're off on offer. But if they do end up going for that driving more, I wouldn't be surprised if that first game, they're pulling out that, that first line out, they're pulling out, pulling out that trick play. Just to, you know, they're, they're thinking that the, the Reds are going to come in, get ready to shut it down because it has been so potent for them. I got my money on the exact opposite. They've got to have a crack to see if they can get dominance because that's where they get so many points. Find so they haven't early. recently. They haven't in recent weeks. And not against the Western Force, mate, but against everyone else out there. Yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't seen it as much this year. But look, the, there's a really interesting story. The, the biggest, well, not the biggest, but, uh, you know, the biggest fairy tale story <laughs> out, of, out of this one is um, young Isaac Henry. For us, outside Queensland, it's, it's pretty... I was going to say, for those saying, who, what? 
yeah, no, outside Queensland, it's you know he's not really a name you're gonna you're gonna know. He was close to making the under twenty squad, I think, a year or two ago, but was sitting on the outskirts of that. But last year he left Queensland, moved down to to ACT, and was playing the John Ident Cup, was killing it there, and and actually got himself a, a Brumbies development contract. And now he's moved back to his home Queensland, and he might be making his debut against the Brumbies in a grand final. <coughs> If he comes on, that is just – I reckon that's just one of the Scores best ways. Scores try, you reckon? No, apparently he is a, an amazing, amazing kicker, like perfect accuracy, really, really good. So he could kick the win, winning kick for that. He will not, mate. James O'Connell will be kicking. <laughs> yeah. What happens if – you this right, mate. Sprains his ankle or something. Then, buddy, what's his name at fullback he's going to do, mate? What do you mean? They've he's got injured so many too. kickers. He's injured too. And the winger then. He's Jock Campbell. Injured. Jock Campbell was They're all choice. injured. <laughs> Luke can probably kick. I don't even know. Uh, and then Harry Wilson kicks. Harry, Harry Wilson will take kick. How good he kicks as well. Harry Wilson will be like, I want my statue next to John Eels. I'm going to step up and take this kick. Um, yeah, look, let's let's jump across to the Brumbies. Hmm. Um, far from full strength this week. I think something that is significantly important is four of their first choice forwards are not in that side. So last time these, or not starting at the very least, we've got Fellow fighting out on the bench. But, you know, the the missing front row combination of Slipper and Fienga, I think, are some of the, you know, most telling points here. Because in the last matchup with the Reds, with those players there and with Ala Alatoa back as a starting prop, they won 100% of their lineouts. But if we go back to the matchup prior to that, they had no CO, no CO, no CO was starting, no Slipper and no Ala Alatoa. And all of a sudden, they've lost three of their eight um, scrums. Mm. They weren't as good in their lineouts. They lost three of their eight scrums. So I, I think this combination, this front row for the Brumbies against the Reds, who have been so strong there, they really are going to miss Slipper. And let, let's be honest, the biggest thing is that Daniel Atupo is playing 80 minutes for the Reds. Yeah. And you just wait until the Brums second, the reserve come on, and they've got to try and hold him up. Boy, it's going to be, yeah. oh, it's going to be an absolute slaughter. Does, uh, well, Alan Alto is probably playing 80 as well. I think he played 80 last week. Um, does, uh, does Zane Nongor even, and Tom Ross, do they even bother putting lacing up the boots or do they just... <laughs> no. In case there's an injury. Not. Not okay. really. In case there's an injury. Yeah. Um, um, look, there's uh, there's someone, you know, with a fun nickname, Kagi. Do you want to take us into Nos? Nos Lonigan. Um, Lachlan Lonigan. Uh, if you didn't know, he's... Uh, his nickname around the club um, has been Nos because uh, he, once you turn on the gas, mate, he can go. Um, he's a hooker with some pace to burn. He's certainly put on a bit of size now in the Brumbies uh, squad now in the Brumbies training program. But, uh, yeah, Sean, Sean Maloney uh, just has never said his first name in commentary. He just always says, and Nos Lonigan taking the field, which I love. But, uh, yeah, I'm extremely excited by Nos Lonigan. And what a game to have your starting debut. Um <laughs> A grand final of Super Rugby. I've, I'm calling it, look, I know there's a lot of hookers. We've spent about the last, uh, most of this season, shooting on Faleti Kaitu'u. Um, but I, I, I think Nos Lonergan could well be the Wallabies hooker within a few years. Uh, he's that good. So he, I'm yeah. very excited. Look, he's under 20s form coming through. He was, you know, a lot of rugby league teams were trying to get him. He's had that couple of opportunities. Remember his debut? He came on and didn't he score a try? or like save a try and do some amazing couple of plays to to win a game or something like that right at the dying moment. So he's class and and I'm excited to see him and and good on him for getting this shot. But 
I mean, it's a pretty pretty big match to come on for your start, but he seems like quite a composed young young player. So I, I think to put to put in perspective, in that Wallabies uh, junior, junior Wallabies team that um, lost to France in the in the World Cup final, I think it was pretty close between Harry Wilson and Noss Lonigan, who was the best player in that team. Um, just in, like, there's quite a few good players in that team. Your just... opinion? Yeah, that's definitely not true. Mate. <laughs> Fraser McWright was the best player in that team by a mile. Don't forget Harry Wilson was playing at six because he couldn't get a start at eight over Will Harris. So, yeah. I mean, you just that, make things up look, to help you. Allegedly, story. and that might just be my opinion, but um, uh, it's it stands, okay? Uh, but no, anyway, exciting to see him. And, yeah, he, he's going to offer a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be challenging in scrum time for sure. Yeah, and uh, for the, the boys from Western Australia, they're going to see a familiar face here in the Brumbies, Harry. Henry Stowers. Yeah, how good is it to see him back? I can't believe he's not starting. He's amazing. I love him. Yeah. I think it, to sum it up, bench frost. Yeah, <laughs> just, he doesn't need to know the game plan. He just needs to make his twenty-five tackles and twenty-five runs, like he did to the force the whole time. I know. Like to, to sum it up, Dan McKellar said this. He goes, "I was amazed Henry wasn't signed. To be honest, although he was outstanding for the force last year." Mate, again, I'm sure we've said it, we've said it before. Samoa and he played for Samoa the whole last World Cup. He's a hitman, man. I love him. He gets out there, and as Harry just said, he gets through a mountain of work. He's he was making he was making Brynard Stander look lazy because he was he, doing that, that much work. No, you know what I mean. Like, his work so rate true. was uh, was immense, and uh, I think he was playing um, shoot shield for the Hunter Newcastle, Newcastle team. Yeah. What is that? Which is one of the teams that just gets spanked everywhere. They just they're a new team and they're getting spanked, but. Yeah, awesome to see him back. But Harry was touching on Nick Frost, saying drop him. I, I I said I wanted to see it early in the year, Nick Frost playing in that blindside jersey you know, with number six on his back. I didn't expect it in the in a grand final for the first time we see it. But by all reports, he is quick. He's extremely athletic. And Dan McKellar has said he actually sees him as someone that will transition to six, that they want to transi- transition to six. Mate, name me all the other 205 centimetre number sixes. Was it 206 or 205? 206 centimetre sixes. Just name, just run, he, tell me anyone. That he is. has got to be the tallest blindside flanker, even if it's only for a week, in the world. Like, that is just ridiculous. Harry's getting straight onto Google, but I, I'm not sure if you, you'll find the answer for us here, but he is, is absolutely massive. Oh. And we, we, I mean, we call him the giraffe. That's how he runs. But I mean, he has shown in his couple opportunities he can break the line. He can is he's quite a good runner. So yeah, and don't be fooled, mate. Giraffes can get up some speed. Um, but yeah. no, I mean, look, we can't talk about Nick Frost without talking again in that under twenties campaign. That fifty-five meter try he scored oh, on yeah. kickoff, the great gallop he got up. But um, no, he, he is a, a, as athletic as they come. He's an extremely athletic and skillful player. I do want to see him starting. But at lock, I would happily start him ahead of Darcy Swain, put him in there. But he's not a six. Uh, I don't get that. The, but, yeah. the thing with having him, Frost, Caden Neville, or Catarin, as Harry calls him, they have three players that are at least two metres tall. How good is that going to be for their line-out? Line-out will be a massive strength for them coming into a game again. You're talking about game management. If they've got the ability to kick it out of their own 22, kick it into you know the, the opposition's you know red zone, and have the ability to have three 200-centimetre players plus, I, I think that's awesome. It certainly does. Um, it, it outlines the way they want to play this game, though, doesn't it? I mean, Harry was saying he thinks that early they're going to go for the rolling ball. Uh, they're not going to try the trick play. And I have to agree with Harry. I think they're going to slow this down and try and really win that way. Um, I think early they're going to go for points. 
Yeah, true. But I mean, they're just going to play standard Brumbies footy. They're going to kick the territory yep. and just try and win with their set pace. It's going to be, when I say set pace, I mainly mean their line out. I think they're going to be probably cautiously optimistic about the scrum. But yep. um, I can tell you that the average line side flanker is 1.92 meters tall. So mm. I can't tell you how. Only about 14 top centimeters. Yeah, well, one ninety-two. That's yeah. that's crazy. Um, but Harry, I, I think it's, we don't have to be concerned about them having three locks getting tired because, as Harry said, Henry Stowers will come on and just do the work rate of the entire back row over the rest of the game. So we'll be great. Yeah. Um, Kagi, uh, in that centre pairing, we've already touched on Ikatao, but we, we've been saying or we've been thinking that Simone's had a bit more of a quiet year this year. How, how do you reckon he went last week? Last week, he was phenomenal, particularly towards the end of the game. Um, at the very end of the game, when they kind of... Did they blow out the score a little bit? I'm not sure. But they um, they really upped their speed of attack. Um, and they started... The, the Brumby started the game uh, playing at a lot of depth because they were very wary of the, the forced rush defence. Yep. But at the end of the game, no, they just threw caution to the wind. They were all running, hitting the line at pace. And Simone made about three or four carries... At top speed, he's catching the ball, and he went flying through the game line. Um, he was running at Miotti and uh, you know the line between Miotti and the centres, whatever. And um, mate, he looks phenomenal. I mean, that grubber he put in for the try in the corner. Uh, he just he had a really really good game last week. So um, no, he was, that, he was phenomenal. This this twelve thirteen combination for the Brumbies has to be one of the positions that they've got over the Reds. You know, that, that that combination there, they've got a really solid 12 who's got a bit of a kicking game. He, you know, he can he can turn you on your back foot early and then, you know, punch those, those lines as well. So well, I, I think that I think that's it. It's, it's going to be interesting. So we, I talked about the Brumbies wanting to play a, you know, set pace and whatever. Mm-hmm. But how, however, having said that, um, with Fluke and Hamish Stewart in the centres for the Reds, yes, they can tackle, but Ikatao and Simone, they're getting game line every carry. They are always going to, if, if the Brumbies can get fast ball off the back of those game line carries, that's going to make a huge difference. They'll be able to get the ball wide and really use it. So I think that's going to be a pivotal point for them. Definitely. So um, when, when I was on the Royal Rumble, Rugby Royal Rumble, we, we went through our predictions um, of what we thought the outcome for this game was going to be. So I've already said mine, boys. I'm going to win. I said the Reds are going to win by three. <laughs> I'm going to win. You just so said I'm going to win. Okay. Well, we know where Nelson's put, money's going this put, week. Yeah, put your money out there, boys. It's going to be by three points. But um, Mitch from Rugby Fixation said the Reds by four. Matt from Gold Digger said that they're going to win in extra time by a golden try. And Ando, he, he went against the against the grain here, saying that the Brumbies are going to win by five. And I think he was saying that because he wanted to get under Mitch's skin and just say that he was going to be going against the grain and get the win. Mitch and his podcast. Oh, I think it's, it's easy when if you, pick, if you pick fourth as well, just to pick the other team, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. If, you look, if, he, if he gets that right, then he looks way better than the rest of you. But, uh... he, looks, he looks like a genius. Harry, how do you see this one going? I find it really hard because both teams are so far from their best lineups, to be completely honest with yeah. you. I, th- I think there's so many changes. My gut feeling is that the Reds bench is going to get them over the line. I think the Brumbies look stronger on paper in their starting side, but the bench from the Reds is significantly more experienced in my eyes. Yeah, A young seven, a lock playing in the, the back row. Yeah, look, I think that there's some questions around, obviously, Frost playing at six, but other than that... Drops front row, yeah. But I mean, oh. you got Ryan, you got a couple of you got Fowl, Fowlerweeker, Ryan Smith in the Reds front uh, forward pack. This is not ex- exceptionally experienced. You got Hamish Stewart, Josh Fluke 
in the centres for the Reds. You've got Campbell playing <clears> out of position. You've got Hegarty, who hasn't been a starter for years. Yeah. There's some questions in both teams. I just <clears> think <throat> that when you have Murphy, you've got Uru, you've got Liam Wright, and you've got Dungunu coming off the bench, those guys are your trump cards. Yeah, I agree. So Reds by how much? I'm going to go Reds by, it's never far much, is it? Two points, I'll go closer than you. <laughs> Kagi, I just want you to know, you can't say something that's been said. So how much do you think uh, the Reds or the Brumbies are going to win by? Reds by five. Uh, that's uncool. Mate, golden, golden point and try. You can't say it. It's been done. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, all right. Reds by six then. Done. Very <laughs> good. Can I just say, looking at that picture, and of course, you're li- you might be listening to our podcast, but you can get after us on YouTube if you're not for all this imagery and the video, but... From that picture, Nels, is it? It's just coincidence, or is it amazing that the four podcasts have all picked their own color theme? So it's uh, you know we're blue fixations, red. I, Fantastic! I, I did that. What did what did you expect? Perfect. Their, their logos. Yeah, the logos. Yeah, their logos from the Nels. Into the names. I thought. Well, I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if if they actually got the Twitter the Twitter name and the logos off Nelson anyway. Nelson has that many Twitter accounts, you know, rugby Twitter accounts in the rugby Twitter sphere, so wouldn't surprise me. But um, yeah, it's good. Good. All right. Um, Very good. Well, let's move on. We're going to jump across the ditch now, and we're going to talk about the the grand final for Super Rugby Aotearoa. Where else would it be, Kagi? Where are you going to see a Super Rugby grand final in New Zealand, mate? Well, I think, I mean, they they organise it every year in Christchurch, don't they? There's no point. They book ahead, don't they? Yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be a public holiday on, on around that, that time. They just ask <laughs> Razor Robinson how long his contract <laughs> is, and they book that far ahead. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's definitely a public holiday and they just book it out for years. But yeah, imagine that at the start of a season if it's like buy your grand final tickets now. Like, you're like, you're like oh, <laughs> that'd be the best. That would, that would take It'll some games. I think just in that vein as well, I think um, the Blues, uh, you know, I think it's Jared we've talked about before who's mm. the social media guy for the Blues. I think one of the tweets he sent out as well was, um, uh, it was like, Chiefs, is like, um, Chiefs, you, you lost like, before these last five games, you lost 12 games in a row. Like, good luck. You're going to need it in Christchurch. Like that. I can go to one. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like it. You didn't nail it, but I, I, I like did. yeah. Sorry, I didn't do it. Imagine if Richie Moonga got injured, that they could also do the get your refund for your grand final ticket now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's definitely a bet for that. You know what I mean? If, if Richie Moonga goes off, they're like, well, you know, ref- refunds for everything. Yeah. Well, look, Harry, do you want to take us through the, the injuries in this one? Yep. I suppose we should. Ward! What are you eating, Harry? Yeah, as a preface, Harry's eating chocolate. You professional. As, as a preface, uh, we we don't have the team lineups here. No. Um, they, they're going to be named tomorrow, as far as I know, afternoon. Nelson, you just um, see so if we just say with confidence, say we do have the team lineups here, and just say with confidence, um, you know, we might get it right. Who knows? Then we look like genius. Tell you what's about to happen. Sean, I know he's out with a hamstring injury, but he was never going to start anyway. Summer Penny for now, awkward, awkward twisting through his. Uh, we, we came off after awkwardly twisting something and got injured. I'm not really sure there, but doesn't sound that promising. Uh, Valami Tualani, who came off with a shoulder stinger, so that can take five minutes to get better. That can take a couple of weeks. Mate, have you seen the, the way that guy's built? It'll take about three minutes, to be honest. Uh, I love Tualani. He, he was mate. part of the Chiefs under 20 side that played last week anyway, so I don't think it's too much of a concern. Mate, started. What? <laughs> Returning Luke Jacobson, I'm, I'll put my money on it. He'll be back. He was a that rested precaution. 
for a concussion. He's he's been training this week on the field, ball in hand. So I think he's are pretty you, much. He's, he sounds pretty close, good to go. Are you are you putting your money on it like Nelson did in fantasy last year when he picked him up in the draft and then? Um, no, I'm the I, I run the casualty world, mate. I actually know what I'm talking about. And uh, Braden Enor as well. I don't know. I, he's available. He's played a couple of rounds of club rugby now. What do you guys think? Do you think they're going to slot him straight back in or on the bench? Or well, I, I think the Crusaders have made it pretty. It seems like they made it pretty clear before that they were going to keep him for a trans Tasman. That um, they felt they didn't need to rush him back in, and clearly he's their starting centre when he is good to go. But um, yeah, no point to rush him back in. I don't think we got. I'm I'm not as convinced. I, I'm not. I don't think we're going to see him necessarily rush into that starting side. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if we do see him on the bench. You don't necessarily need to carry um, Matayeli. You got Fanganuku who can shift back out to the wing when um, when Enoch comes in. So I mean, I, I think he's a class player. I think there's been a few things lacking for the Crusaders this year. I mean, they're only coming first in Super Rugby Aotearoa, the the hardest comp in the world, but. Second hardest, Super Rugby across the ditch. Tenth Tasman. Okay, yeah, just just the AU. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the AU. That's fine. But look, I I think he adds he adds a lot of composure for them, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in their match day twenty. I think you've nailed something. I think he's been a. It's it's always hard to nail down any weaknesses for the Crusaders, but I think if there was one, it has been they've sorely missed uh, Braden in or this year. Um, yeah. It, it, even just Jack Goodhue by himself was missing having that kind of really good outside centre. I think there's a difference with a lot of players or some players in their team that are just amazing out-and-out attackers that can do whatever they want, ball in hand, and then you're composed, you know, the guy that settles people around him. The link man. The people in those opportunities, yeah. And I think that's probably him. Yeah. Harry, how's that chocolate going? So good, isn't it? You're not sharing it with Nelson, are you? Good. Nelson, Nelson can't eat anything fun. When I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> Every time he has chocolate, he loses another hair. Yeah. That's true. That's why I always bring around good beers and then Nelson can't have any. It's fantastic. First of all, I just I want to touch on one more thing from the Crusaders that's we've heard over the week. They've they've had a big name signing, Harry. Anyone exciting? A guy Wait, going, what is this? Not for this week. Not for this week. No one's <laughs> not, not for this week. Kagi, do you want to touch on Pablo Matera? How did the Crusaders get bloody Pablo Matera? How is this possible? So the, the big thing out of this was he, he said uh, he sounded like he was coming to the task. There was a lot of talk, lots like earlier in the day before he got named in Crusaders. The talk was he's probably coming. He wants to come to Australia. He said numerous times how much he loves Australia and he wants to come to the Waratahs. Then he watched the game. And then he went, oh, it's the Waratahs. And he goes, I could get paid way less and go to the Crusaders. Yeah, I might do that. He wants and to win a title. He could win the... the I mean, look, it's true. It does. Do you want to go play for the best rugby team in the world or do you want to go play for the Horatars? I mean, it's... Yeah. You know, it's a pretty easy decision. But still, I mean, just come on. It's like the okay. only thing perhaps questionably that they had was it seemed like they have young back rowers. Yeah. And don't be wrong, we've talked about Ethan Blackadder and Colin Grace. They're fantastic. But just Pablo Matera is like the missing piece of that puzzle almost. You know what I mean? Like, just come on. Poor old Tom Christie. I love him. 
Yeah. He's, he, like Pablo Matera is a seven. He's an open type flanker, right? He no, plays six. He plays seven. six no, it's the se- he's an Argentinian no, seven. He's a six. He's, he's, a, he's an no, open no, side. It's the opposite. No, it's, it's the opposite. So he, he's an open side flanker. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Crema is yeah. definitely more of your. Keep your in mind, Crema is the other the other flanker. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, I, I realized that. Uh, <clears throat> I was testing you guys. So he's good. also uh, he also can cover six. He can also cover eight. But he's he's I'd say most specialized as a seven. Mate, I, I, I'd be playing yeah. I'd be playing Matera, Christie, and then one of Grace or Blackadder or Douglas or whatever as my starting back row. To be I honest. I am not against that. To be to be fair, yeah. but um, Peto Kamakamo Douglas for me. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he driver, he a bit more punch. But look, uh, the Crusaders for for the first time in a long time, we're not saying this is Crusaders by how much. I am. Oh, Akagi is. Uh, I think they're going to probably win it. But look, there. I'll, I'll reserve this for for when I make my pick. See how good you can convince me otherwise. But th- they've lost a few games in recent weeks. But their most recent match in round nine was a twenty nine to six win against the Blues in Christchurch. Yeah, the Blues suck. They're what twenty? Is it twenty four from twenty four finals matches? Something like that when they're at home. Do you remember the, the- bad? Let's just contrast the difference between the first Blues Crusaders game of the year where we were like, this was the game we were robbed from last year. It was everything that we were promised. And then, like, it was a pretty good game. Um, and then the second Crusaders Blues game, we were just like, why are we bothering? You know what I mean? Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It definitely the same. Look, I, I think well, let's get into the, the game about why you think it's going to be Crusaders by how much, Nelson? Uh, look, I, I don't know if I I'm, <laughs> I said it's not by Crusaders by how much for the right. first time in a long time, but look, so, I mean, let's let's say lineup first. So Moody's out, right? So it's Bauer, Taylor, Cody Taylor, and Michael Ala Alatoa. So the brothers playing in both finals for Super Rugby. Uh, you also got Barrett and Whitelock. You got probably Blackadder, Sione Havili, and Cullen Grace. That's the that's this is the team that started. I've listed here the team that started in the last uh, game they played against the Blues. Yeah, and, and, and I, what I, I think is most likely for them. Yeah, to I, I don't think you're making many changes there. You know, I, like I don't, I don't think Grace has been as good as we all wanted him to be or, or expected him to be. I don't but, think anyone's going to come in from now though. But yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to make any changes at this point. And then you got Drummond Moonga, centers of Habili mm. Fanga Anuku and then on the outside backs it sounds like Bridge and Reese are pretty much locked in and, and obviously Will Jordan after I said I had been underwhelmed with him just had an absolute blinder last How week. How dare you? I think of the only people that we could possibly see come in would be Tom Sanders um, even at seven for Habili but no, I still probably don't see it happening. Anyway, that was a fail. Yeah, I don't. Oh, think I don't know. I think he did pretty well, actually. But um, but still, I I see them rolling that same team out. I think you could be right. We could see Braden Enner on the bench, but you know, I don't think they will feel the need. Really, the Crusaders, as always, are just stacked and jacked. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Look, I I think he's someone great to to bring off the bench. I don't, I don't think I'd be making too many changes there. No, I don't think I don't think we really need to talk about how the Crusaders are going to play this game. They're just going to play standard Crusaders footy. Um, I mean, I guess we can talk about like how did they lose to the Chiefs? What, what, how did they lose two games from being unbeatable? That's, um, I guess, the question we could answer. What do you guys think? Yeah, centers don't fit their team like they have in the past. It's as simple as that. David Avili is a freak, but he's not their established center. That, that makes their backline tick. Mm. Well, they definitely haven't given away. Well, and how they play out wide. 
I think he was giving away a fair amount of penalties as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they hadn't necessarily been dominating the set piece as much as we expected them to. And their back row isn't as good as it has been. I mean, they, they haven't had the ability to hold the ball and control the ball for huge chunks of matches like they have in previous. Can you believe we're saying critical things about the Crusaders? I just can't. I, can't I mean, they're, they're still not a bad team. But look, they, we, they might well win the New Zealand Conference, but that makes them like a top three trans-Tasman team, doesn't it? Something like nice. that. But look, I, I think one of the, the interesting things you know, is just they've been making so many tackles. They've got a bunch of players you know, on the, the top tackle list for Super Rugby Aotearoa, you don't normally see that for them. They don't normally have huge chunks of time with these players that are having to make bulk tackles and they're making their tackles, but they're having to. That's the difference. You know, they don't have the complete control, 80 minutes game management that we always seem to, to expect from them. All right. My last point before we move on to talk about the Chiefs is, um, or is this all just part of a Razor Robertson master plan. He's like, boys, we're going to lose two games. Keep them close. I want you to keep them really close. But let's just lose two, get everyone kind of feeling, you know, feel good story. And then we're going to wipe the floor with everyone in the finals. We're going to come back and play our normal game. I'm not losing ever. Uh, I am Razor Robertson, mate. We're going four from four. Is it four from four or five from five? I don't even know how many times they've won now. But, um, I think it's going to be five in a row, I think. Five, five in a row. Five in a row, Jesus. Okay. But is, I mean, this, you know, I've, there's been rumours of that as a conspiracy theory. Um, I didn't just invent that just then. Okay, I did, fine. But anyway, let's move on to the Chiefs. Yeah, look, I, I think an interesting take here from you, uh, Kagi. How, how would this back three for the Chiefs uh, shape up? The back row. Um, I have to tell you that before COVID, Tom Christie from the Crusaders was the top tackler. I told you. In, yeah. Oh, no, he's got one in, person. In all super rugby. Because he made all their tackles. Find the next Crusader. They've got three or four in the top, like, 15. five or six. 15. They got They've got, like, three or four in the top five or six now. Yeah, nice. Um, Chiefs back row. Look, I think I think we all think Jacobson will be in there starting. So I, I think I asked a question. You guys probably answered me. I didn't see it. But is Lachlan Boshier injured or is he? He's not injured. He's available. He's just with Hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. So it's Caelan Boshier out for the season. Yep. Um, all right. Well, obviously, it'll be Boshier and Jacobson then. And Ben uh, Huff. And, yes. yeah, look, I mean, hopefully someone that isn't Mitch Brown. Uh, sorry to Mitch Brown, but, um, yeah, you know, just... Petty Gus has taken his chances, mate. He's played yeah. well. He has. I... He's been all right. But, look, personally, I was just going to say that I loved the two back rowers that started last week. Taulani, awesome. Looking forward to him. But also Zane Capelli, the hitman, no Samoan way. International. I mean, he played was it the Highlanders last year. He got like a game or two. Mate, just give him some time, mate. He didn't rip a game last mate, week for the Chiefs. You're not bringing these guys in to, to a grand final. Let the they, boys play, all right? They after they just got pumped by the Blues by 20 points. And they literally just played a team so they didn't get any of their important <laughs> yeah, players yeah. injured. Like, they're not, they're, they weren't getting selected after getting pumped as a reserve team. Okay, well, basically, look, it's Jacobson Bosch here in the, in the back row. It's probably going to be Mitch Brown as well, even though I'd like to see anyone but... Uh, look, uh, that, that's, that's a tricky one. Look, uh, I mean, if, if we look at the Reds' picks and they're going along those lines, they might want to have that extra lock as a jumping option and, and you know, just give them a few more options there against the Crusaders. Which, I, I could see that. Which is actually a pretty good <clears> call because I think the big loss in the Crusaders' attack is that they're not as dominant off a scrum. But the line-out is still their main way of scoring. So if you can disrupt that line-out, I think that's a big thing to beat the Crusaders. I, I agree with that. And then, I mean, you bring in a guy like Sokula off the bench as a impact player and, and with some tired bodies, if the Crusaders ever get tired bodies, and he, he can wreak some havoc. 
Bladers only ever get tired of winning. That's probably that might be the only thing they ever get tired of, to be honest with you. But um, who's going to play ten for the Chiefs? Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. D-Mac, that's the big one. The, the, point, the thing was that the when they won against the Crusaders last, D Mac was playing ten. Huge. Look, it's it's a tough one. I mean, he, he's played fifteen for vast majority of the year and and shifted into ten at the back end and. You know, that last matchup against Crusaders, he, he did the vice versa. And I, I think it worked really well, actually, him getting involved, composed, because we normally see him open the game up, you know, in the back end of the game. If you're shoving him into 10, you know, late in the game, you, you're sort of depressing that ability to, to open that game up the, the way he normally does. But if you start him at 10, let him have some control, work himself into the game, and then shift him back into 15. You guys are missing the point. Man, it's not about where he plays. It's how do you get Chase Tia on the field? I hadn't said that in this podcast yet. Well, I saw clearly he's been he's been ill for a couple of weeks, but now that he's healthy, they'll have to move Damian McKenzie to allow Chase Tia to start at fullback. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's how they win the game. But, it wasn't that DMAC was at ten; it was that Chase was at fifteen. Right, I think. They might have to start D-Mac at 10 just because it's the marketer's dream. You know what I mean? They've already been putting the Richard Mahomes and uh, D-Mac's face side by side on all the advertising material. Like, it's, it's your absolute wet dream as a... Have yeah, we done that yet? So you, are you on to that? No, it's been done. It's been done well, so I don't need <laughs> to do it. Um, but, but no, look, the only other point to that I would say is that... Um, Bryn Gatlin, uh, he did. He has played the house down, I think. Maybe not as much last week, but the week before, wow, he came out. And he had an absolute forever game. He's probably the best game he's ever played. Didn't uh, he start pretty poorly as well? And then he just got better and better. He did. He, it's like he, he was really feeling the He's like, I really need to play well this game or I might not get to keep playing some rugby. Um, like, I thought he played well early in the season. So to convince <laughs> you, mate, that he must have played out of his skin. He that's what I meant. He did. Hater. No, I, for sure. Um, he bored me at the start of the season, to be honest with you. But, uh, and he's quite, you know, he's, he's quite a good tactical kicker. I, I think he hasn't. You know, hit everything that he's, he's gone for this season. But I, I do think he's shown that he's quite a good tactical kicker. I but... guess to round that out, sorry, who would you guys start at 10? There we go. <clears throat> Harry. D-Max, so I can put Chase Tia here at 15. Nelson. To be fair, I, I love that. So I'd probably, I'd probably <laughs> That's really that. hard to... And I convinced myself with the point that you want D-Max ending the game at, at with as much space as possible, so at fullback. Chase plays 80, mate. What do you mean? Not happening, mate. <laughs> who chased the win? Yeah, look, uh, I said I framed that question saying who do you want to play, and now I'm just going to say who I think will be playing. I think it'll be D Mac at 15. I think it'll be Gatlin at 10. So um, right. probably, <laughs> probably what I want. Probably. Uh, is there anything else here? I, I suppose if we look across to the wingers, Nana Saturo stepping everyone on one wing. Do we see John Lowe keeping that spot on the other wing, or do we see um, they might play with 14 men? It's hey, been, been all season since they've had a good right winger. Mate, Jonah Lowe, bring your pillow with you kind of thing. I mean, Kimi Naholo must be kicking himself so much that he's injured this season. He he would have had that right wing on lock the whole year. Like, that's, unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty upsetting thinking about that. Yeah. Um, who else did they have who Shooter started Stevenson. the year at outside centre? Oh, Sean Wynui started outside. Oh, oh and uh, Quinn Tapaya. He injured yeah, his hammy last week. Quinn Tapaya. <laughs> captaining well. the B team. Yeah. Are talking about Quinn Tapaya? He's gone. Yeah, Quintapai has gone as well. So you got Nankerville there, is it? Yeah, I, I think it is an opportunity when we're talking about the back line <clears> from the Chiefs that Nankerville is now <clears> playing well with Anton Leonard Brown, who's also <clears> come good, yeah. versing a, a bit of a makeshift centre pairing for the Crusaders. <clears throat> yeah, it's true. And, I mean, they, they've both been there for quite some time. And although Nankerville was off the bench a lot, they've, they've played a lot of game time together. 
It's just taken two more seasons than we thought it would for Nankabel to start playing well for them. <laughs> and a few few more injuries to other players. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, we say makeshift centres for the Crusaders, but I mean, we haven't mentioned that one of those centres is David Davili, the world's best rugby player. I don't know how we haven't said his name several times. <clears> yet, we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on, Kagi. How, how do you think this game is going to play out? Um. Look, I think the Chiefs need to start this game really hard and fast. Um, I think this is the type of game where it'll, it'll kind of probably be more like test match footy. Well, that's how the Crusaders will be trying to play it. Um, so they're going to try to really, like, very similar to the Brumbies, territory, set piece, slow it down, accumulate scoreboard pressure. I, I see both teams taking the points for sure. So they'll be kicking goals. This is finals footy. Um, but, yeah, it's really going to be one or loss, I think, based on discipline. So both teams, you know, can are subject to giving away lots of penalties. And it's kind of going to be who, most who breaks first. every year, aren't they? Hmm? Yeah, I think they. Crusaders used... are the most penalised team every single year. Yeah, they are. But I just mean, you know, like it's kind of like the, how the momentum flows. Who starts getting penalised first? Do you know what I mean? So who who really gets some good territory, builds the pressure? I, I said, you know, probably I, I know they're always you know hesitant to give out a yellow card at a final, but. Um, I think we will probably see a lot of penalties in this game. Um, we could well see some yellow cards. So I just think it'll be about who can, you know, play that territory and discipline game better. Really, I think that's what it's going to boil down to. So, what's your what's your pick? Are we going to tips now? Yeah. I am going to tip the Crusaders because you'd be a madman not to. And I'm going to tip them by. I could take the easy low hanging fruit, but I'm going to say by seven. Wow. Harry? I did tip the Chiefs last time when they beat the Crusaders, called it. Is that because we both tipped the Crusaders or? Uh, yes, and also did because I? I really want, yeah, you didn't. You, you I'm, I'm just assuming you went last and you went, I'll be the Chiefs. But I would say that I agree with Kagi wholeheartedly. You'd be a madman <laughs> to tip against the Crusaders in the grand final at home, and I won't be doing it. So I'm going to go Crusaders <clears> by. Four points, even though my heart really wants it to be the Chiefs. Let me guess. Nelson's going to say Crusaders by three. Oh, look, I, I again, same as Harry. I couldn't bring in myself, unfortunately, last time to, to back the Chiefs. Do it this time. And this time what I've done is I've put money on the Chiefs plus the line. <laughs> I couldn't even back them with my finances. So, I mean, if I can't do that, I, I can't back them with my words. I, I think the, the Crusaders are going to get it done. It's the experience of they do this every year. They have the same setup. They know what they're doing. They're playing at home. For the Chiefs, it's different. They're not used to this. They're playing away from home. I, I think that's going to be enough for the Crusaders to get it home. And, and I'll say Crusaders by three, Kagi. And look, the Chiefs, they also don't have that extra motivation the Crusaders have, which is that I don't think Clayton McMillan is agreed to do another break dance after the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fraser Robertson's going to have to come no, up with a few moves. So. He's going to have to do something different. Yeah. No. I, <clears throat> he's only got Maybe, one move. Yeah, I <laughs> know. That's what I'm saying. He's got to bring out some new moves, and they're like, what to do the fox trot or something. Just do something completely different. Catch everyone off guard. But look, uh, yeah, uh, none of us are back in the Chiefs, but we would love to see it. We'll put that out there. I could definitely see them winning. <clears throat> I just, I just can't put my tip on them. Yeah, no, can't do it. I agree. And uh, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier in the podcast. I think that this is the year that the competition catches up to the Crusaders. Yeah, but it's not the year that the Crusaders don't win next year. Next year, they won't win. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. Except that they've just got Pablo Matera and uh, getting better somehow. Yeah, he'll do everything for them, and then they'll just forget about their other players. 
It's true. I think I'd love to put together a super cut of the two games the Crusaders have lost recently where we were just like, wow, who saw that coming? And then we're tipping the next week's game. We're like, well, surely that can't happen again. You can't really pick <laughs> yeah. against the Crusaders. We'll go to the Crusaders. It's just like super cut battle together. That'd be good. Yeah. If, well, all I know is if the Chiefs win, it's off a Damian McKenzie boot in the last place. Yeah, so yeah that's right. <laughs> that would be great. So, uh, Harry, dessert. What's a god? What's a god do with that? Deserto. Do what? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do that? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do that? From Pilby Butter. This is the uh, biscuit. You're showing biscuit. On, on the screen. I hear that Pilk is now in stores. So, I mean, we've, we've already had a few taste testers ourselves, but pretty exciting that our sponsors from Pilk are now in stores around Australia. So the closest to us is in Rosebury. So I'm going to be heading up there and getting a couple of uh, containers myself. Very excited. I recommended it to a few people at work today. Really pushing Harry, that sponsorship as far as I can. Harry, let's be honest. You're not driving anywhere to pick it up. It's getting delivered. You know, <laughs> Pags is delivered to our house. Is it? Yeah, surely. If he, if he doesn't reply straight away when he, you know, within the next day or two, we'll assume that means he's going to drop. The question it. is, do you guys recommend that as a re, as a preferred rehab um, nutrition source uh, for your No doubt. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. 100%. It makes people heal faster, tip better, pick it, fantasy players the one more that, intelligently. The one thing I know it, Nelson prescribes is watching rugby to his patients. It's like, look, actually, your, your things will feel uh, heal faster if you sit down and watch the game. How do you de-stress? Yeah. I have a recommendation. The, the one thing Pilk doesn't do is grow hair. I can I can tell you that for sure. But look, boys... Because you haven't been rubbing it on your head. Now. You're not supposed to eat it now, so you just got to rub it on your head, man, on the, on the, on the chrome tab. Boys, uh, a couple things for dessert. First, first question for you, Harry, is who for you was the MVP? And you can think outside the box. MVP of Super Rugby AU. Baisami. Baisami. Kagi. There's only a couple of possible answers, really. Yeah. And the main one. Probably, well, it sounds old just to say the one that won, but. Probably James O'Connor, yeah. Yeah. No, look, I, I think that's very fair, James O'Connor. Mm-hmm. When I did the, the Royal Rumble, I leant towards our fantasy stats and I said take McDermott purely off well, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, not just because of fantasy, but also because you love the guy and he's been in your fantasy team every day. I, I do love him. I, I don't think he was the most influential player. Um, it, it's pretty hard for me. I think the easy answer is Jock, but I, I'd like to say Paisami. I think he's stepped up and evolved a little bit this year as well. Um, that that shift. It, it's like James O'Connor has controlled the game for the Reds, but Paisami <clears throat> has completely dominated the defensive line for the Reds and has yeah. created so much in attack to create those points. It, you know, James O'Connor brings composure. Paisami brings the actual points and intimidation factor and everything else. I mean, that oh, Red look, I, I easily would have said Paisami if Harry hadn't said it. Right yeah. We could also throw out Taniela Tupa. He's been awesome this year. So we're just naming the top three on what everyone said in Australia is what you're saying. Look, I mean, if, if you've got more game time, obviously I'd be sitting here saying Suliasi Bunibalu, but he just didn't get enough time. I mean, you know. All right. So, Harry, your <laughs> most improved player. I mean, we could all say the same thing here is my guess, but Harry, most improved player. Um, what's his name? The open side for the Tars. Carlo Tizano. Overall game time? Yeah. Yeah, that's I thought, was, I thought it was had an exceptional debut season. Oh, I agree. I I'm going to jump ahead of Nelson. Len Ikitao, boom, for sure. I'll, I'll go Rob Valentini, the guy who we've expected so much from in the last few years, and, and he's finally showing it. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Any other ones? 
Who's the worst player? Oh, Who here, here we were. Okay. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing that. We're Who's not doing dropped that. off a cliff the most in fantasy footy this Kagi. year? Kagi. Kagi. <laughs> uh, well, I think, look, Harry Wilson has dropped off a lot. Okay, not the most out of everyone, but he's dropped off a lot more. Than I, I think his average is probably still like 30, look. early 30s. But I expect him to have a huge year. I think Harry, you and I put in that, we were thinking somewhere around like a 45-point average to for Harry Wilson this year. He's definitely he's definitely dropped off um, it, that second year syndrome. He he made the team of the year for me, and uh, not for me, sorry, for you know Super Rugby AU at uh, that number eight. And hmm. I'm that. not convinced. And and maybe that's because there hasn't been a true out and out standout in There's that. Been that no one to compete. That's hmm. fair. Look, I mean, I'm almost. Uh, there's probably no one you can put above him. But I mean, Will Harris has been really good. A large part of it, and I've talked about it, is that obviously, no, I was just going to say with Harry Wilson, obviously they figured out, um, figured him out a lot more, and they know to mark up, mark him up this year. But also, it has been um, a guy we haven't mentioned. Uh, Surprise! Actually, we got this far, uh, and he didn't get the most improved. Um, Fraser McWright. It's because Fraser McWright has been playing out of his skin all year. Uh, and, and not only does he do like pilfers, whatever, his running game is insane, Fraser mm-hmm. McGrath. So he's been taking a lot of Harry Wilson's carries, I think. He, he didn't get most improved because he was good last year. Yeah. Like, the, the, oh, he barely played last year. Sorry? I feel, I feel like he didn't play very much last year. He played a lot last year. He still played a lot. And he was brilliant last year. But look, I, I mean, he's definitely taken another step up this year. Kagi, I mean, this is probably an easy one, but. VIP, man of the match, man of the season for Super Rugby Aotearoa. It should be an easy. Well, I mean, like, the standout is always just Richie Marmot, isn't it? I mean, it's just... No way, man. He's had a couple of really good games and a couple of really quiet games. Yeah, but those games, he's been good. God, he's been good. He's had some quiet games, though. So is he your pick? Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Standout, MVP, Super Rugby Aotearoa. Oh, okay. No, fine. I'll take Harry's one, actually. Luke Jagerson. He's, he's been amazing. He's been so good. He has been, he has <laughs> he's been, been unbelievably good. He's been, how has he already lost his nickname Clutch from our podcast? Because someone else has taken it. Because D-Max Clutch, mate. But no, mate, Jacobson should be probably, should be starting for the All Blacks. There's just no question about it. At seven. And I don't care where, to be honest. But uh, there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who is your MVP for Super Rugby Aotearoa? Uh... I was trying to think of this when you when you threw it to the others, uh, I uh, to the Kagi. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Speak of me as the plural. I've got two in my head, so I'll say one. If you don't say the other one, then I'll say him. I'm going to go with Cody Taylor. I think has been <clears throat> immense for the Crusaders, and he's probably been the biggest reason the Crusaders are sitting on top of the ladder. Look, I mean, he's sitting Sorry. on top of he's sitting on top of the fantasy points. He literally comes with an expectation that he scores a try every week. Yeah. Not, not only does he sit on top of the total points, he sits on top of the average points. Like the guy is, it's not, no one's had, you know, one or two good games. He is 15 points. He is, he is, no, no, by 12. 12. He is absolutely amazing. And I think he's really just, strengthened again this year i mean we we all oh, he's know he's good amazing. we all know he's good but i think he has he, he has improved for me the question isn't do you start him or coles it's how many minutes do you give coles at the back end of a game because for me cody taylor he's the man i agree hey, does coles even get minutes at the end of the game isn't a safra moa now in his place mate? <laughs> probably not yeah but look 
Mine is Damien McKenzie. Yeah, cool. That was my mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't win, you know, give your team so many wins in final clutch moments, off the boot, ball in hand. You know, he's done it week in, week out, last five weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. So for Can me, I- that, that pressure, he just he wears it like a badge. I just want to throw one more out there, which I've also thought of, but just Shannon Frizzell. Just he, he's had a huge year. He's been unbelievable. He's had a good year, especially when I named him as my flop of the year. So that's mainly why I wanted to chuck it out there. Dougie, <laughs> you're yeah. you're most improved in that Super Rugby Aotearoa. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he was pretty good last year. I was going to go to. It's hard going first, isn't it? Um, or Harry. <laughs> yes, thank you, Um Look, there's a couple that come to mind. One, I would say, can I pick a couple? Is that all right? No, yeah, that's why oh, well, we've got. You can, you can only pick one because you might take ours. <laughs> well, then you, you should have given me a bit more time. Um, okay, I'll I'll pick one. I'm going to say most improved was Mitch Hunt because I hated his face uh, 12 months ago and I think he's been really good at fullback. I think he's been really good at 10. I think it's really hard for any player to change between those positions and play well. And I think he looks like a very well-established Super Rugby 10 and has led the Highlanders around incredibly well. So that's mine. Kagi? Uh, I'm not sure it's controversial because he was pretty good last year. I know it's like most improved is meant to be whatever, but I'm going to say Jonah Reggie. He just he went to new heights this year, man. He's that game he played. Weeks, uh, yeah. I, I feel yeah. Like- I know a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm mainly going to that one game he played, which was perhaps the most dominant performance mm. I've seen by a winger ever. That probably doesn't that's fit right. in the category of most improved. Most improved for one game. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Ah. I'm I'm finding it hard to pick one. I think for me, I'm going to lean towards Lester Fanga Nuku. Yeah, I, mean, I should have picked him. He's in my team. He he's just been such a dominant force. I think in that that Crusaders lineup, and you shift him to outside center, and he's he's done a job there as well. So he's he's my pick. Can I give right. him one more? Yep. My one more is Ethan Blackadder. Yeah, I thought. You know, he missed all of last year with a shoulder reconstruction and there was some big raps on him. And as Australian rugby fans, we we knew we'd heard of him, but we hadn't seen a lot of him play. I think he's an exceptional athlete. And when you're breaking into that Crusaders back row, let alone then excelling and standing out, it's it's pretty unbelievable. I think he's had a fantastic year. Yep. Mate, he hits it with pace uh, every carry. That is what I love about him. He's uh, He doesn't know anything less than 100%. Brad Thorne would love him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, he's great. And what about your biggest disappointment? <laughs> um, Nelson. Dougie. Can I have a few? My biggest disappointment, not for his performance, but because of what's been done to him, is Akira Yuani. Like, he, he earned himself an All Blacks starting spot last he's year. And, the incumbent six for the All Blacks, yeah. And they've, they've thrown him on the bench week after week. I just, for me, that's that's terrible. It's probably the rise and rise of Tom Robinson, which we didn't mention as well, which is which has hurt him as well. But it sh- shouldn't like he he had his arguably his best year ever and did what we've all wanted him to do for years yeah. last year and without any wrongdoing himself, that's been taken away from him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, my biggest disappointment of the year for me is a guy who you might even remember was playing Super Rugby, but. Um, Solomon Alamalo. Um, I think he didn't play, man. He's had personal like 
started with mental health issues or something. He started round one. I picked him up for very early in the draft, and I think we all had fairly high hopes. I was like, sweet, he's gone to the Highlanders. He's going to be their entire attack from fullback starting all year. And um, How about a guy that's been eligible to play? Uh, well, you're making a bit more difficult. Okay, Marino Michaeli too. He's been a huge disappointment. Yes. Yeah, fair. Great call. That fits the actual category. Yeah. Me. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, last year he was in He was in the conversation for the All Blacks number eight jersey. He's not now. That's simple as it is. He just he hasn't been getting any game time. I agree. Harry, who's yours? I was just thinking about how many players from the Blues back one I can pick. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go, it was a line ball between Mark Talao and Atera Black. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to go... Mark Talao, because I actually had higher hopes for him. Yeah. Whereas Tara Black, I probably didn't have. I know lots of people did, and, and we might be judged for this, but I didn't actually think he was going to play as well as lots of people did. Mark Talao, he was a freak in the first half of last year. And then it seems like as Caleb Clark kind of came to the forefront, they stopped giving him the ball. And, I mean, both the wingers there have, have struggled to get ball, but Mark, Mark Talao has done nothing all year, really. He's no, been the Marika Corabetti, who's another disappointment for the, for the record, no, not because of him, yeah. but because of how the Rebels have used him. Yeah. Has, um, did Corabetti even score a try this year? He did not. But yeah. saying that, the Rebels... Second in line breaks, though. The yeah, Rebels... Hold on. I just want to say with Talao, I think we, we did an interesting... Um, I think we actually broke down the stats last year of when Talao was starting on the left wing... Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. lightning. He scored a few tries every game, got the ball all the time, mm. thousands of tackle busts, and then when they put him on the right wing, just nothing. So uh, the yeah. Blues well, just don't value attacking that one. It's the same as Sevier Reese, right? Like these players are all exceptional talents. Mm. If you don't give them the ball, mm. they can't do much. Reese is the freak that you give them the ball once and he manages to put some weird cross kick into the middle of the field and they score a try. But still, like he, he hasn't had a massive impact like we would have hoped as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. They're they're so potent in attack, but they don't seem at, this year. They haven't seemed to go looking for it as much. I honestly think the competition has been <clears> more <throat> dominated dominated by rush defense this year than ever before, and it's made it really hard for the the backs to really break out. Yeah. Look, boys, I I have no more awards. Just one that sprung to my head: the golden step, the golden boot, Ateni Nanai Soturo. That guy is ridiculous with his step. Mate, the golden ankles, really. I, mean, I don't know how the ankles stay together, really. The know. golden broken ankles? Because how many ankles <laughs> are broken? Mm. Um, look, that's that's the pod. We're going to do a, a sum-up pod and a, a preview of Trans-Tasman next week, and we've got some big names coming on you know, in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. But thanks for joining us again. Kagi, thanks for, for being with us. Harry, thanks for being with us. Hooroo. See ya.